Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Rocky. Thank you for tuning into Sober Community Channel. I will be your host. Sober Community Channel is going to be an ongoing special. We will have a series night and an episodes night. Tuesday night is going to be the series night. The first series will be held by the Hope Dealer, Ed McDonough, who is the CEO of Gatehouse Treatment in New Hampshire. Uh, Ed is going to be going over a bunch of different topics, some stuff political, talking about the opioid addiction in the country. Uh, different things that we can do to help each other in the community in order to help others. And uh, Ed is like me. He's one of us. And uh, a lot of us came here in very, very dark places. Pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Uh, many of us got here, and that day that we did, we were hopeless. Just absolute hopeless dope fiends. And then some of us got help from others, and we got transformed into dopeless hope fiends. And then others went even further and helped others do that same thing. And those people became hope dealers. So check out Tuesday. It's going to be a great series. And uh, Fridays, this one, again, I, like I said, I'll be your host. And uh, really, I want this show to be about you. Uh, I was given a platform for my voice. And I, I want to actually back up and say thank you. Uh, Gatehouse Treatment Center has uh, given me the ability to talk to you and have a show that we can talk about what you want to talk about. So they gave me a platform for voice, and I'm giving it back to you. So what do you guys want to talk about? You know, tonight I have a topic, but uh, you can go back and at the end of the show, I'll put our Facebook page on and uh, the, the things you want to talk about that nobody talks about. It doesn't matter what it is, any category. Um, so go see our Facebook page. We'll put a link up and, uh, and let's talk about what this whole show is going to be about. And uh, Gatehouse is a, it's a great company with a lot of great people. They're making a difference. They have treatment facilities in both Florida uh, as well as in New Hampshire and uh, they help people acquire long-term programs of recovery and uh, if you have a loved one or family member or somebody who needs help you're more than welcome to check out their website uh, gatehousetreatment.com or you can call it admission specialist today at 1-800-448-9431 and uh, my prayers are with you on that everybody welcome back thank you for staying with us again I'm Rocky and I also wanted to introduce somebody else to you this is T who works at Gatehouse Treatment what do you do here T I do social media I do content I produce the podcast a lot this is the podcast you're producing absolutely awesome thank you for the opportunity of course will you stay with me here for the show and help me out Absolutely. Am I allowed to talk to you? Can I do that? You can. Okay. I'll talk back. So who are you? Child of God, just like you. Okay. You have family? I do. I do. I have a mom. I have a sister. I had a dad. Addiction took care of that. We'll come back to that another show. Um, You're asking about my titles, my roles. A little bit, yeah. Okay, the hats I wear in the world. It's funny, I just posted something on Facebook when people 
ask you what do you do, they're really asking to qualify what level of respect to give you. Weird. So I know. So some of the hats I wear, um, I'm a recovered addict. I am a son. I am a brother. I am a sponsor. I am a sponsee. I'm a friend. I'm a boyfriend. Um, it's really interesting. People say when they ask you who you are, or if you really want to know who a person is, ask the people closest to them. Maybe we'll get them to call in someday. Maybe. Yeah. In the future. Cool. But for now, we're going to have to go off of what you just said. No no problem. Wait, what's, where, what are we doing next? Where are you from? I'm originally from New York. I came to Florida about 12 years ago um, by way of a brochure. It's changed my life. Uh, but I got here, I, I was lived in Philly for three years, but I'm a, I'm a Manhattaner. I came from Hell's Kitchen. This is about community, this show, right? Sober community? Is that Absol- what we're doing? It is. So I think a person's community that they grew up in has a huge impact on their personality, their character, a bunch of different things. You want me to tell you a little about the one I grew up in? Yeah. You said Hell's Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen. It's pretty hot. It's pretty 42nd, actually 43rd and 10th was the block I grew up on. It's like a stone's throw from Times Square. Um wasn't owned by Disney back then. It was all Puerto Rican, Irish, prostitution, crazy, dark, seedy. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, Sounds like it. I didn't play there too much. I got kicked out of the city when I was 13. Um, boarding school. We'll come back to that, I guess. But, uh, no, I, it's it's kind of interesting. that My mother is a novelist, or was, <clears throat> and I was born to two using heroin addicts. And my mom got out. And I have a sister who's four years older and took both of us with her. She had to kind of literally go detox, get a job, put her whole life together and come back for us, which she did. And then we landed when I was about two in a building called Manhattan Plaza. And the story of that building is interesting. It's, it was a project from like this multi-billionaire guy, I guess, who ran out of money for the project. It's two towers, like Zero, uh, one to 46 stories on each side of the block. So there's two towers, huge apartments, A through like RST. So a huge amount of apartments. But when they ran out of money, it was too nice for them to give it directly to HUD and turn it into like a housing project. And we have one of those across the street. So what they did was they made it a rent control building for artists. So 80% of the building is people who are in the arts. So that's, I grew up, like our playground was an isolated playground from the streets where like a lot of the kids I grew up with, I mean, not name dropping, but this is just real. Like Alicia Keys, Christian Slater, Donald Fajan, uh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, I, I got to see a lot of interesting things growing up, um, which is interesting because as an addict, when you when you like compare yourself to people, which doesn't always help, and and half of them like won Grammys and became decan millionaires, and then the other half went to like Rikers Island. Oh. You know, it's really hard to to figure yourself in the middle there. Um, but yeah, the, the building was amazing. It was its own special community, and uh, I, I got to see some amazing things growing up as a result of being in that building. So I'm really, really thankful to my mom for putting her life together and, and getting us in there, and it changed my childhood. It's very different when you're front, like literally off the terrace, you look into Times Square, the perception you have of the world is different. They could, I mean, you could say New York is the center of the world culturally, right? And Manhattan's the center of New York, and Times Square is the center of Manhattan. That was like my front yard as a kid. Um, when your mom dresses you with like, I don't know, denim vests and butterfly collars and a bowl cut in Times Square, interesting childhood. 
Sounds interesting. Sounds like an interesting community to grow up in. Very interesting community. Enough about me. What, what are we doing next on this show? We're going to talk about community. That what? was a plan. <laughs> I, you're here to help me stay on the plan. All right. Well, then let's talk about community. I pulled up a definition of community. I like definitions. Let's do it. Okay. So by dictionary terms, a community, a noun, is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A group of people living in the same place or having a characteristic, or what was the other one? Just a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Addiction is a characteristic? I don't know about, yeah, probably. I would think. Okay. Is there a second definition? There is. There always is. Always. Okay. So the second definition is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So, Sober Community is our channel. Yeah. Sober Community, I mean, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Is it a feeling of fellowship with others? Within the recovery community, if that's, which I think that's probably a section of the Sober Community, absolutely. Okay. Right? In In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they say on page 17 that there's this feeling that is a wonderfully indescribable feeling amongst us, a fellowship there exists, right? Kind of, they they give it an analogy of like a ship going down, right? And if a ship was going down, whether you were on the marijuana seat, the suboxone seat, the crack seat, the heroin seat, the whole thing's going down. When we're in a life preserver, like we have this common bond, like we survived that thing. That's the initial, like, feeling of fellowship and camaraderie of the recovery rooms. We call that in my sponsorship family, like the fellowship of the first step. Like we all got destroyed by addiction and now we're here and we have that common bond. Not unlike if you were to get on a plane and you're a cancer survivor, right? And you talk to the stranger next to you and they're a cancer survivor, immediate bond. What I didn't know for so long was that there's a second community or fellowship in the recovery community, which is, they talk about that on page 164. They talk about you know, abandoning yourselves to this higher power concept, right? And that, like, going out and making things right with the world and then going, doing your inventory, sharing your story, and then they say, join us in the fellowship of the spirit. Like, there's, in every room, whether it's AA, C, or NA, there are literally two fellowships happening simultaneously, those of the first step and those of the spirit, those who've had a spiritual experience and those who have not, and I like to always say, yet, because it's available to everybody, contingent upon the work that they do. Okay. But that sober community you're talking about is much broader than that, isn't it? I would think so. Who else does it really include, though? You tell me. Um, well, you know, it said it's a group of people sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So attitudes and interests and goals. I, w- I would think that would expand past just the people in the recovery rooms. 100%. So if the attitudes, interests, and goals that we're talking about, the sober community, we're talking obviously, I mean, who's not affected by addiction, right? They say one out of five people is affected directly. I, I, I think it might even be higher. I don't, I don't know, right? But that being said, we're talking about the people who work in the industry, on the medical side, on the clinical side. Um, everybody's kind of involved or kind of everybody's been touched by addiction, right? So the sober community would be those who are in active addiction, those who are in recovery, those who work in the industry to try to help those, 
And then, I mean, like, what part of America or what community, whether it's a neighborhood we're talking about or that has not been impacted directly or indirectly? You know, they say almost every neighborhood, every community, rich, poor, whatever demographic, they're all affected. My neighbor smokes pot. Okay. I would think he's in he's in our sober community. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of recovery is weird. He doesn't talk to me that much. It's generally the attitude of... Very kind, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere. I would agree. So, sober community. Can we talk about community sex? Sex? I have a speech impediment. Sect. I'm sorry. Section. A section. There are... Easy. There are sections of the sober community, right? Okay. Medical professionals, clinical professionals, in recovery, not in recovery yet, those who are in active addiction. Like part of this show, I think, should be about making a voice or bridging a gap for those who are in the the darkest section, so to speak, right? But they might not be listening. I mean, if you're high in listening right now, please do continue to listen, right? You might have better things to do, like clean a carpet, I'm not sure, right? Stuff like I would have done, right? I never podcasted high. Um, Me neither. I Facebooked high a lot. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. Actually, the whole story is on Facebook. Usually people go straight dark when they get high, right? Stop posting all that stuff. Not always. There are two kinds of people. I must be that other kind. I'm on the other side. I isolated. Went yeah. dark. Yep. I just Ghost. posted a bunch. But before that, I just used Facebook to make sure my exes were miserable and uh, and stalk people, you know, and then post tiny highlights, you know, without pictures of how great my life should be and I was portraying it to be. But when I got high, this very weird experience, I literally started to just kind of catalog my experience. It's about 50,000 posts ago. Wow. Right. Yeah. Kind of a Facebook problem. Different community. Different community. So, so as far as the subsection community of those in active addiction or alcoholism, who we want to use this kind of as a platform to bridge the gap towards them, or or help unify the people who are in that movement to be there for them to support them. Um, it's kind of like that story of the like the prodigal child type stuff, right? I think this vehicle could be a platform towards building bridges, never building walls to help them come home, right? I like that. The people who work on, on this side or, or that side basically just continue to open in the door to welcome people home. I like that. I like that too. Let's go with that. Let's go with it. So we defined community, right? The different sections of community. What, what are we doing now? I'm going to be lost the whole show. That's okay. Well, we talked about communities. We talked about our sober community. Right. Why community? Why community? Yeah. It takes a village to raise a child. You think? It doesn't just take one? Uh, I, I tried to raise myself. It didn't work out very well. I think that as we grow up, <clears throat> it's impossible not to be influenced by your environment. Right? So nobody, like, literally is helpless as we're born in this world. You know? Um, we get our life. It starts with our parents. They feed us, and then they feed us who we think we are. Right, our identity. Eric Erickson, the, the well-known psychologist, talks about that in child development. Actually, potty training is what he's known for. It's interesting. The child development process, somewhere between like two and nine, I'm paraphrasing here because I'm not that smart. He talks about that we get security, identity, autonomy, um, affection, all from our environment, which would start with the parents. 
right? And by two to nine, and I've heard a lot of fifth steps, we kind of identify ourselves as who we think we are, right? And uh, that being said, a community has a huge impact on who we think we are, right? So, so I've, I've, it's interesting with the addicts, I've, I've heard a lot of people's life stories and whether it was, and these are never would say names, but kind of real case scenarios of people who had very, you know, show up type parents, people who college educated, put food on the table, no problem, but that father came home and then he read the newspaper, you know, on Sunday as opposed to went and played football. That kid went to school on Monday and his, uh, his friends had a dad who played football with him. So he took it as he was neglected, right? Or, and then he comes home with all A's and a B, right? Shows that to the father. What does the father say? Why not? Why the B? Why the B? Which then he hears, I'm a piece of monkey turd. Something like that, right? And he walks out with the same story that he's told himself, given to him by his community, as although that's not what happened. That's not what the parents said at all, right? And then the, the, the person who's, you know, from a different side of the tracks, who, you know, in their upbringing has seen prostitution in the home, rampant drug use, physical violence that spilled over maybe even from the parents to the children, right? Comes out with the same message from his environment of who he is. Right? So I think our community is one of the first things that helps us define ourselves. You know, I've learned in recovery the process is more, as opposed to learning new information, it's more uncovering, discovering, and discarding, you know, bad ideas. That spiritual process is about subtraction as much as it is about anything else. So where did we get our identity from? Oftentimes it bleeds into our lives through community. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But then wouldn't the solution be an easy one where you just take the addict out of that community and everything is fixed. I like that idea. It would be great if it was. You know, in 2010, <coughs> I met um, William White, who I didn't know who he was. I was just starting to work in the industry back then. And uh, and I went to this conference and, um, and I saw a class on this guy did and it blew me away. And, uh, and I had a conversation with him after that. It turns out he wrote a book. Um, he wrote several books, but one of them that he wrote is called Slaying the Dragon. And Slaying the Dragon is the history of the treatment center in America, of treatment itself, the whole thing in America. It follows everything from Alcoholics Anonymous' involvement to the American Medical Association um, stepping in and classifying alcoholism and addiction as a disease. And, um, and he wrote this other book called, Let's, I think it's Let's Go Make History. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. And it talked about, the whole book was about how do we help how do we help this problem? And what some of the issues are, they're national. Some of them may be political. Some of them may be, you know, within the communities and then individual lives themselves. And one of the things he talked to me about, which made so much sense at the time, was he talked about if an addict is a plant, right? And that plant is in a forest that's toxic and they're wilting and they're dying, right? So we can take the, the plant out of that environment and put it in a new soil and we can you know, give it the nutrients, we can water it, we can nurture it, we can give it sunlight, and it'll come back to life. But if we take that same plant and put it back into disease forest after it starts to get healthy, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be diseased? It's going to get sick again. It's going to get sick. It needs to be, and so the answer to that or the correlation is that we need to not only treat the addict, but the environment as well, which is our local communities, right? And there's lots of different companies and there's for-profits and non-for-profits that are all involved in that. I think this show, part of it, if we're going to be looking to build bridges back, is going to be about how to support those kind of people who are working on helping the community. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. It sounds like a sober community. That would be a sober community. All right. So that's just, that's the solution? We have a sober community when we come together? The solution would probably be, well, I mean, let me tell you a story. I have an aunt who is the executive director for a company in New York that was started by an African-Canadian. Um, it's a, their first mission. He, he graduated, I think he graduated from Harvard, and he pulled together like several millions of dollars. And his whole goal was to help inner city kids get into Ivy League colleges. Now this project's over 20 something years old. My aunt started with making like a leadership academy that was called Rise and Shine Productions, where they literally used, remember when MTV, you don't. You're a millennial, aren't you? I am, I am, 24 years old. MTV used to have videos, music videos. They were a thing. We'll Google it later. Just trust me, right? So they people would rap on television. It was amazing, it was pretty cool. But so she would use like, kids making their own videos after school programs to teach them leadership and keep them off the streets that then got are you yawning am i am i boring you right now you're not long day <laughs> long day at the office <laughs> all right so so they would come after school they would learn leadership that company then got acquired by this man and became one of many different things that he kind of collapsed into this whole pipeline because what he found out was in order to get these kids into colleges they literally had to start with the parents like they, they had to teach parents in the inner cities. We're talking about Harlem, right? They had to teach parents you can't leave a nine-year-old to watch over a four-year-old for four hours while you go do your thing, right? So they had a thing called Baby College. My sister actually worked for this company as well. And then they, they took things like a grassroots organization called La Leche in Lower East Side of Manhattan that taught breastfeeding the proper way, nutrition-wise, and how long to do it for, what you should eat to, make your, to help your baby help one little tiny sect of you know, child development to get a kid all the way up to Ivy League colleges. Like, they literally start a pipeline from everything. So I think what we're talking about is the best thing a community can do, this is my opinion, because I think I solved the whole problem of addiction nationally. I just really didn't release it yet. Oh, um, well, we're waiting some, for it. met some amazing people and stolen their ideas. There's some brilliant people out there. Um, is that we would make a pipeline from homelessness to home ownership. And what that would do is anything from a person on a 95 exit ramp to a person living in the streets to a person who is in IOP, who doesn't, you know, they're starting to work the steps, they're getting clinical help on their relationships and their traumas, but now they're, you know, maybe they're on step nine with their sponsor and they don't know how to fix their credit. That, 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 that we literally could build a pipeline like they did because that, actually that model for that company has got a, like a $20 million grant that they're using all across the country. The White House has endorsed that model. And my aunt actually is one who helps kind of find places to do that. But it's really hard to recreate because it, it takes multiple organizations networking together in one area. Everything from the YMCA to, again, like La Leche, all these different organizations. But that same kind of a model would seem to, I don't know why it wouldn't work for addiction. For a sober community, literally to be, let's just say South Florida, for example, we know we have treatment centers, right? We have a great one here personally, mm -hmm. right? But even that is gonna take more for the whole addiction thing. Like that's just one niche of what a life needs in order to be put back together, right? So, you know, it could be multiple different organizations working together. Uh, I like the idea of, you know, not competition, but coopetition. Cooperate okay. with your competitors, right? We all have the same goal here. Right, so if we looked at that in the community, and we all went to raise the child. That being the addict, it would be all kinds of different things. I've heard of projects, for example, in that pipeline, because I know one of the things that's really 
detrimental is in the sections of sober community are those people that are not addicts and alcoholics, right? And then there are some that are for and there are some that are against, right? I'm not going to get into the debate of is it a disease or not a disease. It's kind of been answered, right? But that being said, the ones who are not addicts and alcoholics but who have a heart for helping addicts and alcoholics, right, are probably one of the greatest bridges as well as the addicts and alcoholics in recovery to winning the hearts of the others, right? So I've heard of projects like there's a company out there, it's an organization that has endorsed volunteers going out to parks wearing shirts that say ambassador, a yellow shirt that says ambassador and cleaning up the parks. Now what's the purpose of that? Well, people come up and they go, what are you guys doing? You go, I'm a long-term member of recovery. I'm just giving back to the community because I've taken from the community a lot. That helps remove one of the largest problems we have, the stigma of addiction, right? There's this whole, this nation kind of looks at addiction as a criminal issue, right? That's a whole another conversation. It is. So you're talking about coming together. So you're talking about what you just said as a solution. But in my papers, mm-hmm. I have written down mm-hmm. that William White said the solution in his words, not mine. Let's go with him. All right, let's go with him. He said, all of us, physicians and nurses, addiction counselors, researchers and teachers, supervisors and managers, I'm not any of those. Neither am I. Okay. Um, but all of us need to leave our offices and rediscover the social ecology within which both addiction and recovery are nested within our communities. Can we say that in English? thought I just did. So a lot of big words. Okay. So leave, I get I get the idea of leaving like our offices. So get my face out of, I mean, these people have heart and they go to work for people all day, but if I'm spending all day doing notes and charting, right? And I'm, let's say a therapist that's not in recovery, I might also be given some help by going out into the community, just learning more and understanding more about them, being more involved on a face-to-face level. Okay. Is that what he's kind of talking about? Sounds like that. I think so. So he says... We need to be meeting with the service committees of local addiction mutual aid societies. Okay. Okay. We, we. So this is maybe some of the non, non-for-profit sector people. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, that collaboration thing you were talking about. So this is when the, the, the person that was a client, right, goes out. Maybe their insurance has lapsed and they're, they're two years down the road. They no longer have insurance. But the person who was their case manager, who they might contact, or their therapist, now has personal relationships with local community centers that could pick up and kind of like pass that off. Here's another place where you can go and get some help. Like every model doesn't fit every circumstance. But the more people we meet in our community on the same side of the agenda of helping the addict, the more of a net we can cast for them when they fall. Right, and that's really what we're trying to do here at Gatehouse, what we're trying to do with Sober Community. Right. We're trying to create that network. Right. Right. So he says, we, and I think that includes us, finally, those in recovery and those not in recovery. Both. That's pretty much everybody. Everybody. Right. Right. Um, Need to get to know the recovering community by attending within the prescribed guidelines for participation. That's a lot. Oh, you mean follow the traditions? Rules. Rules. Traditions. Not a fan. Okay. Um... So they need to attend meetings and social events of such organizations. That's like uh, sober events. Sober events. Get involved, get entrenched in the community. Absolutely. Like 5K sober runs. Are there not sober 5K runs? There's a lot of running when you're not sober. Okay. I don't know if they track 5K. 
Okay. Right. Good point. Right. William White. Back to William White. Right. Okay. So we need to be visiting with the leaders of religious and cultural revitalization movements in our communities. That's interesting because a lot of people, you know, I hear people in the room say, like, church doesn't work, right? I, I go to meetings to find out what happens to people that don't go to meetings. Well, you're never going to find out what happens to people that don't go to meetings because they don't go to meetings to tell you. <laughs> Crazy, right? But there are some people that get sober directly through churches. We just don't hear about that, right? right. What, what they seem to not have is the replicable method that the 12 steps provides, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. There's no monopoly on recovery, right? There's many different things that work. It's really kind of be tailored to the individual. What I do know is that, I mean, collectively, we haven't seen anything work as well as the 12-step movement in numbers, right? Which is why here, they, I'm glad that this company definitely supports and does a 12-step plus approach. Or probably wouldn't be here. It's fantastic. It is. Yeah. It is. So, he says, we need to break bread with those working within our local union counseling programs. I eat paleo. You could... Breaking bread. We're not eating it. It's metaphorical. Metaphorical. Okay. okay. Rather than waste our lives obsessing about managed care, we need to relearn the cultural terrain outside our agencies and help create spaces within our communities that can serve as sanctuaries and places of renewal for recovering addicts and their families. That's a lot. It is. So managed care is important, Right. But obsessing on one part of the whole puzzle, we saying right? Right. It's much broaden our perspective. Rather than obsessing on that, we want to do what? What do you say? He says we need to relearn the cultural terrain outside our agencies and help create spaces within our communities that can serve as sanctuaries Let's and places back. of renewal. What's the cultural okay. terrain? Martin Luther King Boulevard. Cultural terrain, I assume, is everything outside. Yeah, the cultural terrain of the world of the addicts. I agree. Right. Right. Martin Luther King Boulevard. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Outside our agencies and help create spaces. Isn't that sort of what we're doing here? Space is everything to me. Okay. And what I mean by that is like whether it's your own spiritual process, right? Um, I'm looking to create something new in my life. I have to create space for that to manifest or show up, right? If I want to have a healthy relationship, right, but I don't take a little time for myself to grow and develop in, in that stuff, there's no space for me to change the habit, right? So we're talking about creating space as professionals, non-professionals, addicts, non-addicts on the same mission to open up doors and to create bridges for other people. Creating space in the new cultural terrains would be things like peer support centers, right? It's interesting, we see Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and usually across the street there's always a bar, hmm. right? The opposite approach, right? That being saying, us going into, not necessarily always the hood, right? But the places where they are. Like, where does the bridge go to, right? Our, our rooms, our treatment centers, our, our, our companies that are working, are they an accurate reflection of the community that needs that help? Right? If they're not, how do we bridge the gap to that person who lost one, the prodigal child, to help them get to where we are? I think that's what they're saying. I think. Let's just go with it. Let's go with it. If not, somebody can call in, even though we didn't give a number. We'll do that later. We'll do that later. We'll tell them how they can contact you. Okay. All right. And you. And me. I'm oh. right here. Okay. 
Last bit, explain this. And most importantly, we must enter into relationship with these indigenous resources as students rather than teachers. I like the word indigenous. So, read it one more time. And most importantly, we must enter into relationship with these indigenous resources as students rather than teachers. As we go into these new environments and new territories where the greatest need is, right? We want to be in the, the, the greatest position in life, always that of student. Right? If I stay on the basics, I don't have to return to the basics. Right? And, and, and here's some of those things. Like when we're having that authentic relationship experience, I mean, being new means if I, if I know every single thing, I mean, if all of us knew everything, then there would be no addiction problem. Right? True. Right. So where can I learn? Where can I better improve myself? You know, I had a halfway house wasn't you know it was it was an interesting thing it was you know it was a great community it was definitely a sober community within the recovery movement and um and we one of the things we always talked about is the greatest question on intake that you can ever ask you know other companies would say is you know do you have bpo or other, <laughs> yeah we, we'll get a, do a show on that someday but uh but all kinds of things you know what what, what do you think you need to get sober right i always found the greatest question upon intake to be is are you hungry are you hungry Okay. Sometimes we have to meet the person's need immediately, right? People don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that pyramid that starts with the most basic needs, food, water, and shelter, like when somebody's coming off the streets, off of a run, whatever their experience is, they're broken. We know that, right? Their spirit is broken. We can get back to that. They're mentally broken. They're emotionally broken. They need it all, right? They need the 12 steps. They need probably some clinical service contingent upon the trauma they've been through. But what they probably really need is a sandwich and an ear, somebody to listen to that, right? If we can win the heart, then we have a better shot at winning the mind. Oftentimes, my heart is won by feeding me. Mine too. Yeah, you get my attention better when you have food. I like food. Food tastes better when it's free also, you ever notice that? Always. Delicious. Everything is better free. I like that. Yeah. So that that makes sense, right? Learning, it does. Learning the, the, the people that we're trying to impact, learning the most we can to have the greatest amount of connection with them. Okay. Right? If I have a bunch of different skills, maybe I'm really clinically skilled, right? Can I learn a little bit more about the spiritual world, right? Because we know that's a part of this equation, right? Can I learn a little bit more about the medical? And if I don't need to learn everything, here's the great thing about community. <clears throat> it's one of the things that Henry Ford talked about. Right? When they brought him to court, I think it was for monopolizing. I don't really know. But they were given a bunch of malarkey. And they asked him all these questions. He said, I don't know the answer to that. And then they asked him, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. And he said, why would I learn all those things? When I'm at my desk, I have a bunch of buttons, and I can just push a button, and somebody way smarter than me can come in and answer that question at my employee. Right? So that means I, as a, a professional in the field or a non-professional, I would be networking and from the position of a student. I would go learn. If I don't have the answer for you, if I can't provide the solution for you, I would have a network of resources where I can bring you to them. Right? Even if I'm a newcomer in a meeting, I might have a car, right? but I'm not through the steps that I'm not sponsoring. So I can't carry the message to the addict, but I can use my car to carry the addict to the message. I like that. Right. Well, that's how I used to get to meetings. I had no car for five years. Right. A lot of us didn't. I know. Or licenses. You can do a lot of valuable things on a bus. I've never been on a bus. <laughs> it's a, you should do it. Some, we'll, we'll go on a bus. All right. I was on a lot of short ones, but I've also been on public ones. You can laugh out loud. You're laughing at me right now. <laughs> they appreciate that. 
Sorry. All no, right. don't be sorry for laughing at me. I do it all the time. Back to communities. Right. Right? Right. What were you just saying? I think you were laughing at me for being on a short bus. Before that. A community. Our sober community, getting to meetings, addicts, getting... Staying in the position of a student will provide me the ability to learn answers that I can pass forward to others or go learn and build relationships and network with others who have other answers. I mean, what's a list of people, of things people need when they get sober? Literally everything for some of them. Like? Well, there's this philosophy that there's three boxes, right? Of a person who has a, I'm using air quotes, you can't see that now, right? They can't see that. I can see it. Okay. okay. Right? A regular life or a normal life, right? There is a period of order, right? We're raised by our parents who, you know, teach us all kinds of things, proper communication, how to show up in life, all those things, right? And then there's another box of disorder, right? Then then things kind of go awry. First, I'm smoking pot, I still have order. Then I'm going, you know, shooting dope in my neck. I probably have a little bit of disorder, right? And then I get sober, and then I get back to it. It's another, it's a third box. It's a box of reorder, right? Order, disorder, reorder, right? In the context of that, many of us come here. I'm a four-box kid. That's a different thing. I was born in disorder, right? But that being said, either which way, when we go from a box of disorder to order, uh, the needs could be everything that we're talking about in that sober community pipeline, right? From I need housing, right? I need, you know, every single government program possibly leveraged for my benefit. I might need ID. I might need a bus pass. I, I definitely need food and water, right? I might need to be able to transport myself and get to a meeting. All of those different things that are provided. And then we're not even talking about, like, the things that, like, you guys do here or we do here at Gatehouse, right? Those things would be like, I need, I, I, I'm emotionally broken. Right? I don't know how to have proper communication with my family members. Right? Therapy comes into play there. Right? And then and then I'm 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 underneath the emotional brokenness. That's a symptom of the spiritual brokenness. Right? I need to find a way, a new way to have a relationship with myself, others, and the world. Right? The world or, or good or universal spirit, whatever you call that concept. Right? So literally the the the, the spectrum of needs is everything. Am I wrong? No, you're right. That's what I needed when I got here. Same here. Yeah. I needed to relearn the mental, the physical, the spiritual, emotional, all of it. Right. So so this sober community channel is about really how do how do we make this a hub of communication, information, a platform and a voice for those people who will have the same agenda as per definition two there. The dictionary is great. And 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 what can we possibly do to avenues of conversation to have people actually take action in the communities to build that network and that pipeline? So basically, we need to talk to each other, work together? Share. Share information, share time, right? And, and, and create a, a, a network for them. Okay. Well, you and I can talk because we're sitting next to each other. Right. Um, I guess I can make a phone call and we can talk to some other people. I would like to get some people on the phone. Okay. They could also reach us on Facebook and the Can internet. So basically, let's do this thing together. I'm in if you're in. I'm in. Fantastic. All right. So, so I guess we'll come back and we'll tell them how to connect with us. We'll give them all the information and we'll take it from here and we'll see what topics come up in the next week through their involvement. 
and we'll just take it from here and I'll go from 40% to 50% without freaking you out. Will you come back? I'll come back, but that makes me nervous. All right, well, let's talk to the bosses. All right, we'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you guys all for listening.